his face, his face. Off. off yes his face off so you want to take his yes his face off hey guys welcome to another episode of i finally watched i'm alon and this is david and i finally watched face off i'm not gonna like give you a uh, nostalgic backstory about my first time watching face off because honestly it was so long ago i don't remember but I would only need to watch this movie one time in 50 years for it to forever be scarred in my brain. Um, it's so off the wall. It's so crazy and kooky. And the acting is just even crazier than the plot. But I love this movie. For me... If you want like a, a fast-paced, high-action film like this and, and fun, th- this is the one to watch. Yeah, I agree. Um, what, what's so crazy to me about this movie is I watched it one night and then the next night I watched it or the next day I watched it with a friend. Um, and he kind of had the same thought I did that it's it's like, one of the craziest movies like we've ever seen, like mainstream movie, just in like how it's put together, the <laughs> acting, but that it's still like great. And what was also kind of crazy to me is I was like, uh, just looking up a little details about the movie is how well received it was. Like it's very highly rated by yep. critics. Yeah. Which it's just like, it's like a bizarro world to me, honestly. Like it makes no sense <laughs> how well received this movie was. And so I was 10 when this came out and um, I knew about it. Obviously I saw all the the commercials, but I, I mean, you know, as a 10 year old, I didn't make the greatest of choices, I guess. Well, it was um, huge, right? It was a huge movie when it came out. I, yeah. I just didn't, it wasn't something that I decided to see. And I think, you know, it's, it's gotta be rated R. I didn't check, but it's obviously rated R. And um, is it rated R? <laughs> i don't know if it's i mean it it, it is rated r obviously. it is right yeah okay um this was nominated for an oscar <laughs> see i try to do as little research on this movie as as possible just because i didn't want anything like to opinion opinionate to sway my opinion that's why you say that yes yes um but what please tell me <laughs> please tell me it was for acting it was for, no, I think it was for editing. It was for editing. It was like oh mixing. my god! It was for editing. Um, it was for I believe it was for sound editing. Oh, okay. I mean, it did a good job of that. But listen, look, this movie, this best movie, effects sound editing, best effects sound editing. This movie, as crazy and insane as it is, and you're right, it is like a bizarro world. It. There's something about it that just really works. And I think what it is, is that the fact that it has Nicolas Cage and John Travolta being each other. And I don't think, I think very rarely you could find two sets of actors that this would work on this grandiose of a scale for. Right. And so apparently they both, hung out with each other for two weeks before filming to figure out how to, to mimic each other. Um, 
I think the scene that is the craziest to me, and we're obviously jumping way ahead, but when Nicolas Cage as Archer, but playing Caster Troy, <laughs> he is basically, he is Nicolas Cage playing John Travolta the way John Travolta would play Nicolas Cage. Yep. And that's why this should have had an acting nomination because that alone was just, you could just see it. Yeah. There was never a time, I mean, I've seen this movie maybe three or four times now. There was never a time that I was confused about who was in whose position, right? Because right. in the beginning, in the beginning of the film, and the way it is, you know, plot wise, is that Nicolas Cage plays this like crazy super villain esque guy named Castor Troy. And John Travolta plays this like very straight of the edge cop, FBI officer. Um, I forget his first name. Sean Archer. Sean. Sean Archer. Which I guess the names alone, but anyways, moving on. I think for clarity throughout, we actually have to refer to them as Castor Troy and Archer to not confuse who we're talking about. I, th I, think, I think we should. Um, and for those of you who are confused, you obviously haven't seen the movie. Um, but, but John Travolta playing Archer, right, who's the straight-edge FBI agent, and then about a third of the way into the movie, you have this switch where now Nicolas Cage as an actor is playing the FBI agent and John Travolta is playing this crazy supervillain archetype. Right. But there's points in the movie where they don't want certain people to know that they have switched places. So they have to pretend to be, you know, John Travolta playing the supervillain has to pretend to be the straight edge FBI agent. And Nicolas Cage playing the FBI agent has to pretend to be the off the cuff supervillain. Um, and I think at that point, when that happens, David, things get really interesting and also really good. Yeah, but I will say that Nicolas Cage playing playing Sean Archer, but playing Caster Troy, he he's maybe not as convincing, but he's definitely putting a lot more effort into pretending to be Sean Archer playing Caster Troy. But John Travolta pretending to be Sean Archer just doesn't as – good God. <laughs> when he's the bad guy pretending to be Archer, doesn't really, like, give that much of a shit. Like, one of his uh, – one of the people that works for him is like, oh, I'm sorry about what happened to Tito. And he's like, yeah, shit happens. <laughs> just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that kind of fits his character as Caster Troy, right? And that's kind of, like, why it works so – I mean – Take it, take it one level down, right? John Travolta playing the character of Castor Troy, like full throttle, for me is the most entertaining thing about this movie. I love Nicolas Cage, but John Travolta just uh, playing and pretending to be Nicolas Cage raw and like primal Nicolas Cage is the best thing about this movie. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love both of them as Caster Troy. I think either of them being that character is the most interesting part of it. 
Well, just um, because Archer's so freaking boring. You know, it is funny too, though, is that when John Travolta is Caster Troy, it's like a, it's sort of because he's in this FBI agent role, it, it is a more toned down Caster Troy. Like he's clearly like attracted to Sean Archer's daughter, but like obviously to not blow his cover and thank God for movie purposes doesn't like <laughs> do something there. Um, right. He's obviously like, he can't exactly like, kill people that he necessarily wants to in in any old way he has to kind of go about it in a way that would make sense as an fbi agent but in the beginning and they they don't really they don't really fuck around with letting you know that when nick cage is caster troy that he's like pure evil like he's unredeemable irredeemable um like kills this fbi agent and throws her off a plane and then just does the shrug of like who me yeah, I mean, there's just like moments. Uh, go ahead. I'm sorry, but yeah, there's there's such great little moments in this, and like great little quotes. Uh, Nick Cage also as the as the priest with yep. the dancing, and then the uh, and then the grabbing the one girl's butt, and then the face. It's like probably the most gift part of this entire movie. Um, like that. That was highly entertaining as well. But I do agree, especially on second watch and just thinking of it now, the John Travolta playing Caster Troy is highly entertaining. So with John Travolta playing Caster Troy, like, okay, for example, there's a quote when he's talking to Nicolas Cage playing Archer and he's in the prison, right? Right. And... Basically, Archer thinks, oh, he's, he, can, he can get out of here. He has the perfect, like, alibi. But then uh, John Travolta, uh, sorry, Archer. John Travolta Ca- as Caster as, Troy. As Caster Troy shows up and blows it up, right? It blows up his plan. And what I love about John Travolta is that the line is, looks like you're going to be in here for the next hundred years, right? But the he next doesn't- hundred years. Exactly. He says everything with such a bravado and it's like, uh, I love, damn, you look good. I love um, peaches. I can I don't, eat peaches I actually, for hours. I don't actually love peaches. No. Um, <laughs> you know, it's f- funny too, though, is, and I guess maybe we can go on this more a little bit in order, but the start of this movie is so serious. And so like, such on a sour note and i guess that is to let like as part of one setting up the plot of why archer is going after caster troy so you know intensely but then two to set up how evil caster is but like Mm -hmm. starting with like death of a child um no it's it's tough it's a it's a tough start (laughs) to the movie why doesn't he just kill himself or let it go i mean that's true (laughs) <laughs> that is true. Like he could have moved on. It's been six years. Um, so, and they also too, they, t- they really play up like how much of an asshole Archer is when he's John Travolta. You, you mean, Oh, just like how he treats his family, how, he tr- how he's like not really in his family's life. Uh, the way he treats his coworkers. Yeah. He tells them like, we'll get a, you know, we'll get a break when we actually break this case open. Um, so they definitely like paint him as like someone who no one wants to be around, which also kind of plays into the fact of like 
they aren't questioning when Caster Troy is Sean Archer because it's it's a much more pleasant person to be around. He's more romantic with his wife. He's a better father. He's a better person to work with. They're busting all these like other terrorists and drug dealers, and he's like just kicking ass. Um, he well, saved really... the city of Los Angeles from a, a explosion, a fallout of like a mile. One of the big plot like turning points in the movie, and it took me by such surprise the first time I watched this, and I, I can remember this, because sometimes when I haven't seen this movie in a while, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. This is the direction of the movie goes. But when, when Castro Troy takes over Archer's body, and he's like, oh, man, we're going to, you know, we're going to blow up some shit now. And he figures out, like, oh, wait, like, I can actually become beloved and in the long run gain more power if I actually am the good guy for a little bit. And that's why he decides to stop the bomb that he planted in the beginning. Right. Which is, I mean, it's also just kind of a, a genius move, right? But it's this, this movie played out nothing like I thought it would. I didn't think, I thought that, Nicholas Cage would go into prison, would get brought out, but then also Castor Troy as John Travolta would somehow break out and then they'd be sort of chasing each other in like the wrong face. I didn't think it was going to be like, he basically got sent to like rock bottom, had the other brother broken out of prison, Pollux, and then was just like, you're going to die in here unless you can escape from this prison that uh, the Geneva Convention apparently doesn't apply to. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah and and the way he escapes is really bullshit too right he like jumps off of the roof of the prison which you like the exterior of the prison is just this like oil rig which doesn't make a bit of sense if you look at it like legit like technically right yeah they built a prison underwater <laughs> yeah exactly and so he comes out it's an oil rig and then he's having these helicopters shoot at him and then he jumps in the water and he just escapes that way. So you have to take it. He swims across the ocean to get out of here, right? Right. There's also something you notice in the beginning of the movie and throughout. Um, but that Caster Troy is, when it comes to people whose name you don't know is the best shot in the history of movies. But when it comes to like main characters, like can't hit the side of a barn if they're 10 feet away from them. Like he shoots the cops on the speedboat from... From like 200 yards with a hand. Are you talking? Oh, you're talking about the ending of the movie. Right. Well, in the beginning too, he's just jumping out of a plane and with like three shots as he's jumping sideways, takes out three different people, hits a dude in the ear. But then him and John Travolta shooting point blank at each other throughout (laughs) and like when they're each other's body, like can't hit each other. So Um, that's one of my, that's one of my favorite because right when you think an action scene is going to end, it like turns the dial to a hundred, Right. Because the plane, the plane scene is one of those where they're on the runway, the plane is run off the runway, and you think, okay, the plane is going to stop and they're going to catch them, right? No, it crashes into the aircraft facility, the hangar. Uh, there's a whole shootout in the hangar. There's a whole chase. And then it ends up by a couple of like plane engines that are just like ready to be turned on at any moment. And a straight bullet turns them on. I, and the fact that it's just like the whole movie, here's what's crazy, right? 
and I know logic doesn't apply, but the not whole here. movie, the, yeah, not here at all. The whole movie relies on them switching faces, right? right? And the way the way that they catch Caster Troy is he is blown aback by the the force and heat of a jet engine into a cage where he's knocked unconscious. No, well, murdered. They think they think he died. I, yeah, whatever. The point is, is that why why would you write your character to be in the jet stream of a jet engine to like burn his freaking body if your whole plot is relied on the I face i don't think the engine like spewed like heat or fire i mean obviously it was probably hot but i think it was just sheer force blowing him back and that the sheer force i think they thought killed him okay because you have to obviously come up with something that either kills or you think at a certain point in this movie makes him a vegetable, but doesn't damage the, the outer in any way whatsoever. And you also have so, but you also have to do it in a very like action packed way because that's what this movie is. So it's like, you can't drug him or have like something weird like that happen. So, I mean, for having to come up with something like that, I, I think it, makes sense isn't a, a way you can describe this movie although you know it's funny as i was talking to my friend when we were watching he was like the science part of the face swap is the is the part that makes the most sense in this movie altogether but then that i mean that's saying something because that doesn't make any sense also um another thing before we leave the hanger thing the hanger scene real real fast 11 david I counted 11 visible stunt wires I could see hoisting people. I didn't see the wires, because um, but you could obviously, without seeing the wires, you can see the wires because you can know what's happening. The yeah. Where he grabs the cop's shotgun and turns around and blows the other cop away, and the, it, the bullets don't work that way. Um, no, but I mean, I, and I don't mean just in that scene. I mean, throughout the whole movie, and I, I'm sure there's more if I like really, really watch for it. But n- without even having to like look for it very astutely, I saw 11 wires of people like jumping off, falling off crap, being blown away by, by guns. But it's just amazing to me how a movie, what, like 20 years old? 22 years old is like still got away with with shoddy wire work you know yeah there's a couple things like that so um this is jumping ahead but when pollux finally gets killed and john travolta as caster troy is like kind of crying over the body and one of the officers is like what why are you crying it's just pollux and john travolta shoots him in the head there's blood splatter that comes out of the head. Yeah. And then when the guy falls and it, it pans back to Travolta and then pans back to the guy and the blood spatter is just sitting upright, just stuck to his head, this red blood spatter pattern that you can still see. It's just like still visible. Like it didn't fall back or anything. It's stuck to his head. And I was like, I, I, it's almost like, I guess you saw that in like editing and you're like, well, fuck, what do we even do about this? Like, we're not going back to reshoot it. Like, it's so quick. Hopefully people won't notice. I guess. And then you have to assume that was probably the best take. The, the last thing I think I want to talk about before we leave the hangar scene is 
John Travolta saying, shut the fuck up. And Nicolas Cage saying, watch your fucking mouth. It's this <laughs> weird, like, idiosyncrasy about him that he, like, apparently doesn't want Travolta to curse, like, doesn't want Archer to curse, but then in telling him that, tells him to, sh- like, watch his fucking mouth. And it was so weird, but then you see Nicolas Cage as, once again, Nicolas Cage as Archer pretending to be Caster Troy saying, like, watch your fucking mouth to all these other prisoners as he's getting in a fight. Right. I I love, too, the payoff of after, like, beating the shit out of this guy. He's like, (laughs) the way he talks to Pollux is almost the way Pollux talks the entire movie, which is also fucking weird. But he's Mm -hmm. like, I don't even know why the guy was mad at me. And he's like, you you had a sex sandwich with his wife and his sister? He's like, oh, shit, that makes sense. (laughs) I also like the subtlety, like, uses of bro. I mean, he, you know, Pollux hates when when Castor calls him bro, but he uses that, like, somehow Travolta knows that, so he uses that in his everyday language to his brother. Well, one thing they, they, I don't think they do a good job of explaining, but I think it's just sort of implicitly you understand that for the last six years at least, and obviously probably before that, that Archer has lived Castor Troy. So he knows all these people that have been busted around Castor Troy because he's the one that did it. Mm-hmm. He knows all these connections that Castor Troy has. He can just never catch him. And so that's why he's able to have this information. He even knows the drugs that Castor feeds to Pollux. Yeah. Like his whatever medication he has. So it's, it is funny. Like he doesn't know it the way Castor knows it. He knows it as if he's read a file, like he studied for a test and he has to retrieve it to then say it, you know, so it takes him a while, but it is like, he does have all this information naturally. You know, it's kind of crazy. And and now I guess we'll move away from the hangar scene and talk more about the prison scene. Cause I think that's the next logical advancement but also what's so interesting about the prison scene is the escape plan and what's interesting about the escape plan to me is first of all i want to say he stays in that prison way longer than i ever remember him actually being there because he's in there for a good portion of the movie as caster troy right i thought yeah i thought originally he was going to get out quickly um, but he stays in there for so long. I mean, he stays in there to the point like John Travolta as Castor Troy is already like boning his wife. He's stayed in there for so long. Well, it was a week actually, <laughs> which is funny too, because you read in the diary that John Travolta, that keep fucking doing this, that Archer and his wife haven't had sex in months. Mm-hmm. and uh, caster troy's like what a fucking loser and then when it, within a week they've had sex several times and when she's explaining to uh archer like you know we lived together as husband and wife for a week like letting you know like hey shit went down and he's like well that's my fault which it it is like it's not really her fault that she like you know fell for someone who was so much more romantic and so much more like interested in her yeah but it's also like it's also his fault in the fact of not telling her about the mission, even though he couldn't, he probably should have, but then where's the movie if he didn't. Right. Um, I also love the, well, okay. We'll get into the whole blood type scenario later, but with the prison scene, what did you think about um, 
And the only thing I know him is, from is CSI Miami. But the other prisoner who like comes out of his unconscious state and starts like beating the crap out of everyone and starting like initiating the prison break alongside Archer. Well, he also is in uh, another Nick Cage uh, movie that I just watched for the first time, Eight Millimeter. Um, he's he's pretty great. Uh, he's playing basically a, uh, I guess like a, a Russian or Eastern black character that kind of barely speaks, but uh, it's just like a badass, like kind of strong guy. Um, I, I do think it's, it's kind of interesting that you're so angry at this person and then all he has to do is be like, I didn't actually sleep with your wife or sister. Uh, let's get out of here. And he's like, okay, <laughs> sounds good to me. It's almost like he wanted to believe that it didn't happen. I mean, pr- probably. Um, and, and I mean, just for plot wise, you know, you got to get the story moving along one way or the other, because honestly, if it wasn't for some extremely convenient circumstances, I don't see him getting out of that prison. Um, and I think the movie really picks up once he is out of the prison, because it's now it's like wildly known Caster Troy is escaped. This like Sing Sing Alcatraz sort of hybrid. And when he escapes, I love the inconsistencies because on the news, people were like, oh, he is dead. But then only the FBI knows that he's actually escaped. Well, no, the other people in the FBI initially um, think that he's also dead. They tell Castor Troy as John Travolta that he is dead. And he's like, well, did you find a body? And they're like, no. And he's like, well, then he's not dead yet. Right. Um, it, so they probably would have given up if it weren't for Castor Troy realizing, okay, he's probably still alive. Um, the, I think the one of many issues with this movie is in or I, I like the direction they went in kind of putting Archer at his rock bottom, trapped in the face of the man he hates stuck in prison as the man he hates is like with his wife and family um after they've also we didn't even get into the part of like him killing all the three people in the world that know which first of all doesn't make sense i let's backtrack a little bit but i do like that they put him at his lowest point but in doing that you've written yourself into a corner of like how do you escape this hypothetical perfect prison um that is, you know, no one knows about. I mean, so it's going to be a little, a little what odd. I, well, what I really love about this too is that the way his he escapes and the the you know the thing. They even say you know he is not in top physical condition, and I mean you've seen John Travolta. John Travolta is not probably has never been in top physical condition. But the point I'm trying to make is that the fact that he can escape this prison and then jump off the prison into the ocean and then somehow have the lung capacity to swim underwater far enough away that no one would see him escape. Um, No. Right. Well, you you do see land at some point that's not too, too far off, but yeah, they have a helicopter. So it is funny too. And I do want to get back to the, the actual procedure, but it is funny too. At one point they say, okay, we got to get rid of your love handles. And then another point, uh, 
Caster Troy makes fun of Travolta's chin. And Travolta actually asked the writers, like, did they purposely make fun of his real chin? And they had to, like, explain to him, like, no, no, like, to, like, appease him. Oh, my God. But the one of the problems I had is in, in the beginning kind of putting yourself in Archer's position. And I'm just like, there's no way that I would put on the face of America's most wanted terrorist and only have three people in the world know without some, I mean, there are like, obviously the fingerprints aren't going to match. The blood type's not going to match. The DNA is not going to match. So there is evidence that they like, the movie doesn't want you to think about in the moment. But to me, I'm like, I'm not having you three people be the only ones that know this. Second of all, the doctor obviously had to have other people working on it that we don't see get killed. So there either are other witnesses or he went out and killed all these people. How does Caster Troy know so quickly who are the people that need to be killed in order to hide this? I guess the doctor tells him. How do There's, they find the doctor so how quickly? How do they find the doctor? See, that's the that's the thing. Um, yeah, and it's also kind of bullshit how he wakes up from his coma. It's also also kind of awesome how he wakes up from his coma because he like calls up some some goons. They come to like bring the doctor, and he's just sitting there smoking, watching the oper the, the operation on like a big screen. And he's smoking a cigarette or a cigar with like no face. And I love how you see that he has no face because other than like a quick glance, it's in the reflection of the doctor's glasses. I mean, if anything, this shot, this movie, I mean, John Woo knows how to shoot an action film. A lot of, a lot of 360 spins, a lot of, a lot of unnecessary jumps. Uh, one thing I did read is that Nicolas Cage was really grossed out by the makeup of him not having a face. And uh, so he actually, like, John Woo had to remove, like, all reflective surfaces that he might look at. Because Nicolas Cage, I guess, was... He's, Nicolas Cage seems like he's probably hard to work with, especially, like, in the 90s when he was like, kind of at his height. Right. Um, so I guess, there's, another, there's another story where they were filming on his birthday... And after like a scene, John Woo brings out a cake and Nicolas Cage is like, don't ever do that again. (laughs) (laughs) You mean, uh, you mean, um, don't ever do that again. Not in 100 years. Yeah. I, I mean, so there are a lot of questions that get brought up with, with how all the surgery works. I, in the beginning was like, thinking that the doctor might have been in on it because he seems like he was well known enough to me that he's like kind of a bigger per like a bigger person like actor and i was like maybe he's just in on it and that's how we're gonna get caster troy in john travolta's face nope because it's also like he's a vegetable so i think that honestly might have been a better way for it to go but whatever and then you could have still killed the doctor because he's just tying up loose ends um but then when you find out, oh, he just wakes up and then forces him at gunpoint, I was like, I guess. Yeah, whatever. I mean, I guess that's the way you could do I mean, it. At, at that point, you're just trying to get the, the real plot going. And like I said, I feel like it really picks up after. That's what I was going to agree with you, that after he gets out of prison yep. and he's like figuring out where to go next, I really like the scene. The, the next scene really is when he, 
he tries to go home, but he can't. So then he goes to, he knows all the associates of Caster Troy. So he goes to Dietrich's house and, yep. and, you know, meets up with them and meets up with Sasha. And then they say the title of the movie about four or five times in a row. That's my favorite. That's my favorite scene. He's like, I, I want to, I want to take his face off. And then Dietrich is like, his face. His face. Off. Off? Yes, his face off. So you want to take his, yes, his face off. And I'm pretty sure they even say it more times than I just did. Probably. Um, but yeah, it's one of my favorite. And it's just so, so weird. This leads me to a point of the movie and I, and I, and I really want to make this point because I, I feel like, and I want to see what your opinion is of this, but he meets Nicholas Cage as Archer, as Caster Troy meets Caster's son, presumably. Right. What is? Yeah. Yeah. And the, the, I don't know, I was going to say his wife, but it's like more of like a baby mama situation, right? Yeah, Sasha. Sasha. So Sasha and, and Castor's son. Okay. First of all, why the hell would the FBI just open fire onto a place that they can see that there's a, a small child right there? Because their boss told them to. Does he not know it's his? I guess he doesn't know it's his no, son, he right? He didn't. One, he doesn't know it's his son. But two, he clearly doesn't give a shit because then later on, when they're escaping out the back, and he's like, John Travolta is sitting there with a the gun, aiming. He aims directly at Sasha and the kid, which makes actually no sense. Like, why he's trying to kill them? Like, it literally makes no sense. I, I guess you could say that maybe he thinks Caster or Nicholas Cage may have told them that he's not actually Caster. I don't know. It, it doesn't make any sense why he's shooting at them. And then he hits Dietrich, which then Dietrich kisses Sasha. Right. And their brother and sister. Right. And it's real weird. No, but it gets weirder because the neck wound doesn't bleed. It's just this like open hole. And then when Sasha leaves and he turns to, to Nick, Nicholas Cage, he turns to Archer and it starts like just gushing blood. Right. And then he, he talks like a full monologue and then he drops dead. I'm like, that is the weirdest out of context death scene I've ever seen. Right. Which you, that, I mean, one thing too is apparently um, Gina Gershon and then Nick Cassavetes who play Sasha and Dietrich, they decided on that kiss just to make it that weird. Sure. Which is like, I, I, a lot of what I was reading is that John Woo was just pretty open to let people do what they wanted in this movie. <laughs> I, can, I can believe that. Um, except Gina Gershon wanted to shave her head and he was like, no, <laughs> don't do that. Um, <laughs> but that gets everyone out of the way for a pretty cool shootout with the mirrors. So here, here's what I wanted to bring up earlier is that thematically that the whole movie is based around this plot of them switching faces and identities, you know, confusion of who is who between coworkers and family. And even like, I love parts of this movie where, where Nicholas Cage as Archer pretending to be Castro Troy has this like existential crisis that he's like, 
it pains me to be doing these like really nasty, vile, criminal acts, but I have to do it for the greater good of the outcome, right? You especially see that in the prison when he like is laughing as Caster Troy and then crying. Which I think is some of Nicolas Cage's best acting in the movie is when he's having that like crisis. Well, remember when he looks at Pollux and it's just like, he's kind of like just looking like, Pollux like, what? what is wrong with you? And then he does the weirdest fucking smile. Yeah. Um, also, my favorite line reading that we skipped over is like, oh, that bomb you built, brother. It belongs in the Louvre. <laughs> yeah. And then his brother's like, but the National Science Museum will have to do. And he's like, yep, like I got my info. It was the LA Convention Center. And first of all, big, Whatever. big mistake by Archer. Why do you, there's no need to immediately tell Pollux that he's like fucked up and giving the information to the wrong person. It's like, hold that to your chest. Like in case for some reason you need it. I, like I didn't really, I thought that was bad and obviously it turned out bad. So I was right. Um, and then also like, I was trying to figure out how does Pollux know as he's leaving the jail that that's not his brother in there? Cause he's sort of talking shit to him and waving it. Like, I guess he got a phone call from Travolta. I guess. Maybe Travolta visited him too. That's I guess I he thought. would have had to visit him too. Yeah. That but I was sense. like, like they didn't show it. So it was like somewhat confusing, but I guess it makes sense. The other thing too is one Travolta, when he first meets his wife, he, he, she's like oh did you finally finish that other thing you wanted to finish and he was like the out of body experience and he's like do you did you think that that archer actually told her that he was switching bodies with with her son's murderer and then that's not as important as no one questions how in one with one minute left he's able to disarm a bomb that the entire bomb squad can't disarm no one's like wait how'd you know how to do that yeah yeah, I also what was that song he was humming at while he was defusing the bomb? I don't remember. Cuz it was the song at the beginning of the movie, which I was pretty convinced it was just the soundtrack of the movie, but then he hums it at at the at the site where he was disarming the bomb and I was like, "Oh, maybe that was like just everyone could song. everyone could hear that." Um so, I'm so, we're getting a little off track because that that shootout scene with the mirrors is so awesome. But thema thematically, do you think that that should have been the finale when they looked at each other through the mirrors and they saw each other's reflections and he was like, plan B, why don't we just kill ourselves or kill each other or something like that? And they shoot through the mirror. Like, didn't that feel like the finale to you? Yeah, but then how do you have a, a speedboat chase? but the, why why do you need a speedboat chase thematically that doesn't make a damn bit of sense because you can that's why you need a speed i guess chase. you can okay but i'm not such a fan of the speedboat chase i am way more of a fan of the church scene i thought the church scene is awesome because i don't think you can get more john woo than that scene but how we get to the church scene is how he just looks at his boss, or at he, Castro Troy, as John Travolta, looks at Archer's boss and just starts giving him heart problems by just one look? It wasn't, I think he just, it's one of those sort of fortuitous, like, um, just sort of things that happened where 
his boss is clearly like looks like he's having heart trouble uh-huh and he keeps showing it and so then he like takes the opportunity i do think it's it's interesting that he's like i'm gonna tell you something and you're not gonna like it and then he's like i'm caster troy and he kills him you know by hitting him in the neck and then hitting him in the chest and then the next scene he goes to his wife and he's like i'm about to tell you something and you're not gonna like it i read your diary it, like but i think it's just kind of like is is pretty nice writing yeah, and that also that you also have the scene before that where nicholas cage finally you know confronts his wife and like hey i know that i look like an evil dude but we switched you know we switched bodies and at this point i was like i wasn't really thinking like how do you convince her and then he's just like we have different blood types check her fucking blood types and then like walks out like i i gotta get out of here um they also and don't then, tell you they also don't tell you that she like i guess she ends up telling the police that that caster troy was there but doesn't tell them all the details about how he said that, you know, he's actually her husband. Well, hold on, hold on. When he was talking to his wife and he says, Hey, I have something to tell you and you're not going to like it. Is that when he admits that he read her diary or is that when he tells her that his, his boss died? No, it's all the same scene. He says, I'm going to tell you something. You're not going to like it. And then, uh, you know, tells her about the diary and then he goes and sits down and he's like, you know, my boss died. Um, who else died? Someone else. Oh, Tito died. He's like, yeah. now I feel like I'm losing you. And she's like, you're not losing me. And he like sticks his hand out. Like it's a loyalty test. Like, well, if I'm not losing you, then you'll come grab my hand. Yeah. Um, that all happened after like the Nick Cage like comes to see her scene. Right. Um, w- one thing real quick too, in the scene where... Uh, you know, the shootout at Dietrich's, they have like the somewhere over the rainbow playing. Yes. In the goggles. And that's like such a cool fucking scene. Yeah. Um, the studio wouldn't pay for that, I guess, because they're already paying for the boat chase scene at the end. And so John Woo had to pay for that out of his own pocket. The rights to somewhere over the rainbow. Yeah. Oh my God. And then the movie was so successful. They paid him back. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it is absolutely crazy. And I'm not, you know, I feel like it would be more of an impact if this movie came out, say, yesterday, and I'm saying this stuff about it. But the fact that this movie came out of 20 years ago, and I'm still not convinced on how it was this successful of a a film, but maybe 20 years ago, turning point of the century, I could see it as like people were looking for something this crazy and this like... I mean, 90, 90s movies were like this, right? Like, because you also have The Rock, like Michael Bay's The Rock, that's also sort of like not this crazy, but it's like it's a Michael Bay movie that's like highly regarded, highly successful. Um, you know, a lot of big movies. Well, like I'm this. sorry. Look, The Rock was good, but don't even compare it to this movie. Unless Sean Connery and Nicolas Cage are going to switch faces, then forget about it. No, but they are going to take like a biological weapon and stuff it in some dude's face and then hit his face so it explodes and then his face is all like melting off. Yeah, That's that pretty was good. Pretty, that was pretty good. You're right. The um, Rock is a classic. No, I love The Rock. I really do. The, the ending to this movie and how it plays out, um, she finds out that, yeah, it's not her husband, that Nicolas Cage is actually her husband. You know what I mean? And I love how he just storms the hospital scene. Now, let me ask you something in case I missed it, David. 
do you remember the scene where where he storms the hospital scene and he's like i don't know why he's yeah i don't know why he is like so convinced that caster troy is like visiting her here it's like the most like nonsense i mean he is but it's also the most nonsensical place to visit her well he gets he gets pricked by her the night before to draw blood which i thought he was gonna say something because he obviously woke up um and so then she goes immediately to the hospital at night he doesn't, I guess he's very tired from chasing around Castor Troy or chasing around Archer playing Castor Troy because he like, he sleeps until morning. Like it's light out when he actually leaves. And then he gets his bad guy cronies to come okay. to the hospital with them. So this is what, this is what I'm very confused about. Are they part of the FBI or are they his cronies from his Castor Troy days? They're his cronies from this Castor Troy days. And clearly, they have to be known to the FBI. So at this point, he's kind of like losing it. He just doesn't give a shit. But how does he get in touch with them? Like, how does he? I mean, they they were the ones that brought the doctor to perform the procedure. Right. So, but how? Okay, so they they know. And then I guess he could just call them up. That doesn't make a bit of sense to me, though. It doesn't make sense that in broad daylight, he would bring them to the hospital with his wife. Like, that doesn't make sense. What makes even less sense is that the night before, when she's doing the blood test on the computer, if the first scan across the room, you can see Nicholas's, Nicholas Cage's arm sticking out from behind a machine hiding. <laughs> and then when it says AB, she's like, oh, my God. And he, like, comes out. He's like, I, I knew you would be here. Which door did she come in from that she didn't see him? Are there, like, four or five, like, different entry points to this room? I thought there were at least two, but the fact that he was just hiding is kind of funny. Like, that's really funny if you think about it. <laughs> and not very well. No, not hiding. And also, he's the most wanted man in possibly the States, if not the world at that point. It's like, why? how could he risk going to a hospital? Like, a hospital. There's cameras everywhere in a hospital. There's people everywhere in a hospital. And... Okay, so at this point, they go to the funeral, and I love the funeral scene. I just, I love it. It's very, like, like I said before, it's very John Woo, and, and the religious symbolism is just so mwah, in well, your the, face. Yeah, well, and the music, the music notes and everything. What's also funny, too, is as he's walking along the beach, very like the slow-mo walk that starts from the beach. And I was like, oh, John, you know, John Wu always has to have doves in his movies. And my friend was like, oh, those are just seagulls. I was like, oh yeah, does he just use seagulls? And then he gets in the church and then there's the actual doves just chilling in the back of the church. Yeah. And then the funeral is over. And then, uh, well, hold on. Before the funeral is over, it's like Nicolas Cage as Archer, like, uh, kneels in prayer and like lights one of the candles in the in the sanctuary, and then as the funeral is over, he's in front of Jesus in front of the uh, the casket draped in the American flag, and, and then and then John Travolta walks in and mimics Jesus Christ. As, as he's speaking gibberish Latin. As he's speaking gibberish Latin. And there's this cut 
where it cuts from him to the Jesus crucifix on the wall back to him. Like, oh, if you didn't like understand what he was making fun of, it was Jesus. We're definitely going to, we definitely want you to notice this. And then the doves start flying and then the like triple gun stand, the quadruple gun standoff. Yeah, Sasha shows back up. I do like when Nicolas Cage, before he goes to the chapel, is talking with Sasha and is, you know, she's like, I have to go. I have to get Archer. And he's like, oh, Archer's really hurt you and really hurt you and your son. So I, uh, you know, I'm going to just let you know that after today, you know, whatever happens, Archer's not going to, you know, come in between you and your son anymore. Um, like, I think that's kind of a, a cool, like, realization. <laughs> there's not like, I guess there's character development in this movie, but they definitely don't give a shit about character development in this movie. Right. But that is a cool, just like little side, side plot to this. Although the way they end it is like way over the top. Yeah. It, <laughs> and somehow the scene you're talking about is more way over the top than a boat chase scene that ends in a fiery crash. Um, and okay, okay, because we'll we'll get to that in a second. But somehow, somehow, Sasha's, Sasha's pointing a gun at the white henchman and John Travolta, and yes. then Nicolas Cage is pointing a gun at white henchman and John Travolta because Sasha brings him an extra gun. Right, and then black henchman comes in with I think one gun. Or no, two pointing it two. at Sasha and John Travolta. While all the while, while Archer's wife stands in the middle of all of this, but then, on top of everything, who has a gun to Archer's daughter? I th- um, I think it's the black henchman. No, well, no, it can't be though, right? He brought her, maybe. I don't, yeah, I don't remember who brought her. And this is something we don't really, we haven't really covered uh, the daughter, but it is interesting. There's that really fucking awkward scene when Castor Troy, like first as John Travolta uh, yeah. meets the daughter and he's like, oh, the plot thickens as she's wearing like, you know, like little boy shorts or like panties. Um, and then the, uh, the Danny Masterson scene, uh, you know, him playing the part he was born to play. Uh, as John Travolta beats the shit out of him, which is also a great scene. And then setting up the knife, uh, you know, giving her the knife and telling her to like twist it. So the wound, you know, won't close. Um, I think all that, all that setup is really great. And I do love like that little plot. Um, But I don't, yeah, I don't remember. I know she gets brought there. I just don't remember which henchman brings her. I think she's almost just like let loose because after they start shooting, John Travolta and Nicolas Cage go into like a side alley and she's like walking up the stairs she's like by herself. She's like walking up the stairs, yeah. I didn't catch this upon like the first, the first time to I watched. Think about it. It doesn't make any sense. That's, that part is clear. Nor is it supposed to. But I mean, John Travolta, Caster Troy does say, hey, your daughter's on, on, on her way. But yeah, we don't, I don't know why she's just willy nilly running around by herself. Um, but when she does, she, 
I like how John Travolta is just shooting up everything and she tries to make it to the door, but he's shooting up the door. So she like scrambles and runs away and ends up in his arms. And then he just gives her like one big lick, like up the side of her face. Like basically now that everyone knows this is what's happening. (laughs) Except her. Can you imagine how confused that poor girl is at that point? Well, I think at that point she realizes she fucked up because she's at least knows enough that like both of these people are saying they're my dad. They both sound like my dad, but only one of them looks like my dad. I just shot this other guy, but she has to have realized that John Travolta shot at her no less than like 50 times. Right. Like in the last two minutes. And, and now holding shot her, Nick Cage. And now holding her hostage. I love like how... Nicholas Cage's Archer has John Travolta as caster, like dead to rights. And then she fucks up. She fucks it up for him. And then now he has her. And of course, as all great setups go, there's a wonderful uh, payoff. With the knife. With her stabbing John Travolta in the thigh and twisting it, which at that point you're like, oh my God, the blood losses. No, they don't care about that. That's a, that's scene is over. He lets her go. They run to the boats. And now, now we can talk about the boat chase scene. Yeah, I do. I mean, the daughter was very proficient with the knife, just having received it like a day or two ago. So that I also was... really love the line. Like, what planet am I on? <laughs> it made no sense. That, I didn't love that line, actually. You didn't? I, I also didn't love like all the 360 spins that were unnecessary in the church, all the flipping for guns that weren't necessary. Like, uh, like I, they're fine, but I just thought it was funny. It's like things that I look at now and are just like, you know, unnecessary. But let me ask you, did you like the line? It's like looking in a mirror, only not. Only not. Yeah, I mean, the whole John Travolta in the jail scene is great. It, it's, it is him totally making fun of Nick Cage, though, right? Like, it's just oh, like... Oh, 100%. 100%. And then Nick Cage... But the thing is, is, like, Nick Cage is making fun of the guy who's making the normal, you know, who's acting normal. So it's, like, not the exact same. I mean, this has to... This a little bit has to be, like, when the, the weird Nick Cage started. Like, the way we know him now. No, I would say that would be after like National Treasure. Yeah, I guess. Like he's he's pretty calm in National Treasure. He does play it very straight, National Treasure, I guess. Um, and then the boat scene ends with them both hitting something at like forty miles per hour, apparently, and their stunt doubles clearly flying through the air. Um, them, you know, fighting. Uh, a harpoon getting used. So and... hold on, back back to the stunt doubles real quick. At the first time I watched this, I didn't notice it because I was probably too young or too you know hyper to like actually care. The second time I noticed it a little bit. This time watching over the movie though, I really paid attention to when it was them, when it was not them, and boy is it obvious when it is not them. Basically, any time that the characters decide to like get up and move around the boat. In, in like a, a wide shot, it's not them. Yeah. yeah. You would think like a movie with this big of a budget could at least get stunt, at, like stunt coordinators with like, at, at the very least, the same hairline 
as as John Travolta and Nick Cage, you know? Uh yeah, I mean I just think this is like these are this is the way movies were in the nineties. Like this is stuff you notice in nineties movies all the time. Um and so it's like you notice it and you have to let it go or you know it's it can't ruin a movie like face off for you obviously well no obviously not and it doesn't you know it just kind of adds to the hokiness of of this movie and and it's like you know a little bit makes it better than than finding the flaws pointing them out and having them entertain you to me it makes it better than just taking this movie straight on right yeah and so then, apparently, John Travolta can catch a, a harpoon like gun in mid-shot and stop it. And then he gets shot with it. And it's like, as a final act of just fucking revenge, Caster Troy just starts cutting up his own face, like John Travolta's face, so that they can't reattach it. Right. Although that ends up meaning nothing. Meaning absolutely nothing. Not even like the scars are, because I guess the technology they have, they can they can get rid of the scars. I'm really impressed that when they reattach John Travolta's face back onto him, they could, because didn't they say that the doctor that got burned alive was like one of the only people that could perform this surgery? I don't know that they get into that. I think it's something that's obviously implied, right? And right. then his wife comes in and she's like, first of all, everyone just believes his wife immediately. And it must be because like, yeah, that guy who was John Travolta for the last week was like, not the asshole we're used to. So this all makes sense. Um, I do love the relief on his face, but then she's like, yeah, they're bringing in the best doctors from, from DC. Um, and so you'll be fixed up in no time. So nothing that happened matters. Like this is all over. Um, yeah. And, I, and you- I like how at the beginning he was like this scar, I need this scar as a reminder. And then not the same doctor at all. So it'll probably not even like occur to the new doctor to do this. He's like, I don't need the scar anymore. And the new doctor's probably like, yeah, okay. What the fuck are you talking about? I wasn't going to scar you there. What does that even make sense? Did you recognize that surgeon? No. It was Albert Brooks. Who's Albert Brooks? Oh my God. Albert Brooks is in Taxi Driver as the the curly haired guy that works with the... uh, the woman that Robert De Niro is infatuated with. I mean, he's just fucking Robert, Albert Brooks. Like, oh, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the same guy from Taxi Driver. Yeah, he's okay. the guy from Drive, the bad guy from Drive. He's Albert Brooks. Okay, okay, he's Albert freaking Brooks. I get it, man. Uh, real quick, we didn't even mention one. There's the Wilhelm scream in the prison. Well, Which I mean, every 90s worst. movie has to have a Wilhelm scream. I'm sorry. This one was so blatantly, like, out of nowhere, like, didn't make sense. And then, uh, but not to be outdone, Nicolas Cage with his, die! <laughs> As he kills John Travolta. Oh, his, die! Yeah. Die! Because this is, like, the third attempt that he's trying to kill him, and he's been, like, stopped at every time, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, this has been years and years of work and like, even if he's gonna, you know, if he kills him, he's obviously going to be able to prove who he actually is. Right. Blood, DNA, fingerprints. Um, but it also helps that his wife told everyone, because if you just, if you don't know, and you come upon the scene that the most notorious, notorious criminal in the world just killed an FBI agent, you know, 
Uh, one of my, my friend, when we were watching it was asking like, why doesn't he just like call, you know, make a call in prison and tell them and say like, look at this, this, and this. And like, and I think this is twofold. One, this prison is, it's only run by this one dude, right? The one guard who says that he runs everything. And so he's controlling everything. Well, also the Genovia contract says that, you know, this prison doesn't even exist. So the, what is it? The Genovia, the Geneva convention. <laughs> Genovia is the made up Royal country of princess diaries. Isn't it? I don't know. Okay. Anyway, but we're cutting this, this guy- out. No, we're not. But then this also, it, it, it sets up like a good point of this. The prison guards are so evil in this prison that like you don't get mad at Archer shooting them to escape. And I think that's a good plot device to set up. It's like necessary because this guy is the good guy that you're rooting for. Um, and then that, that all leads to them just deciding to adopt Sasha's son because like, she's dead. So this, you know, we got a free child around. What I love about it is that he is, um, he comes through the door and it's John Travolta in all his glory and everyone's so happy his daughter's there she's so happy they're kissing him they do the weird hand over the face thing that we never talked about but just have to watch the movie to completely understand how absolute creepy that is um but then the little boy makes a reveal right he comes around the corner and i'm wondering does archer does sean archer is like hey listen for dramatic effect kid just stand right by the door and when you think it's like the right time like count a 10 or something now walk through it right don't make a don't make a fucking noise either if you ruin this for me (laughs) i'm gonna send you back and i love how the first thing like anyone does is the sister puts her hand down his face which is not the first time a member of the archer family has touched him like that and he must be thinking like what a what a fucking weird family my friend was just like, it wasn't weird until the finger got caught on the lip and then it's fucking creepy. And I was like, yes. <laughs> yes. I also just imagined like, if if you're parroting this, they just tell the kid like, and your name's Michael from now on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it's before actually, we... it's, it's amazing how much those little kids look like each other though. Yeah, except that the second kid's haircut was pretty dumb. It was like all long in the back. I don't know what that was about. Do you want to know the other actors who were supposed to play these parts? Okay. Yes, let's go. Arnold Schwarzenegger and Sylvester Stallone. I... I, Okay. So like the studio wanted them and John Woo was just like, yeah, no, I don't think that, I don't think that works at all. Um, How did they settle on John Travolta and Nicolas Cage? That's who John Woo wanted. And apparently um, Nicolas Cage passed on it because he's like, I don't want to play a villain. And then he found out that he was going to actually be the good guy for most of the movie. And he's like, okay, I'll do it. Yeah. I mean, Nicolas so Cage I was going to add- play the villain. I mean, he played the villain Con Air, doesn't he? No, he's a good guy in Con Air. Okay, so is he a villain in The Rock? No. Well, kind of, right? Because he's he's in Alcatraz. No, he's a he's a federal agent who helps 
Sean Connery was a former former tenant at Alcatraz. He helps get into Alcatraz with with Sean Connery to disarm a, a nuclear weapon or a biological okay. weapon. Okay, so it's been a while since I've seen The Rock. But my point being is that up to this point, Nicolas Cage hasn't really played a villain. It kind of makes sense, right? Because John Travolta has played villains in the past, hasn't he? Um, I mean, timeline-wise, I don't know. He's played villains, like he was a villain in Swordfish. He's been a villain in, yeah, obviously other stuff. I don't know. I didn't, I didn't really look up. I think Swordfish falls, falls behind this. But it's kind of a change of pace for these two actors to kind of one play a villain, one play a hero, and then completely switch back into the roles that they're, I guess, used to. I think it's a change of pace for anyone to switch faces with another actor, yes. Um, real quick to go through the rest. Uh, and I, I said before this, I wanted to talk about whether we thought the movie would be better if uh, you know Travolta and Nicolas Cage like switch parts. But obviously, Nicolas Cage would never let, let that happen, so we don't really need to discuss it. Um, the next two are Harrison Ford and Michael Douglas. And Michael Ooh. Douglas just decided he didn't want to do it, and so he produced it instead. But I mean, that would have been good. That would, Michael I Douglas that produced would, this movie? Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Um, then Bruce Willis and Alec Baldwin. <laughs> okay. All it right. Says, it says Pacino and De Niro, but that's like, that's got to be a pipe dream. That doesn't even, I don't even, maybe they were offered it, but I don't think that's like ever a possibility. Um, it would have been interesting though. If you could remake this movie, David, who would you have as like, like actors that are well known and that are in their like I guess thirty to forty year old range now. Who would you pick? Ryan Gosling would be Sean Archer, so he would play. You would play Caster Troy for the for the opening bulk of it. No, he would play cat. So saying that wrong, he would play Caster Troy in the beginning. He Ryan Gosling would be the Nicolas Cage part. Uh huh. And then Jake Gyllenhaal <laughs> as the as the um that's interesting john travolta part that's interesting i like i like jake gyllenhaal i'm not sure about your ryan gosling pick i do well, like ryan, jake gyllenhaal though well you're wrong about ryan gosling first of all but the the nicholas cage part for the most part is a more straight part yeah so I think that's why I work. Also, as we talked about, like they both go after the same parts so much that and they like somewhat, they don't really look alike to me, but they're considered to look alike. So I think that works. And I think they could both do a great job. They also, neither of them would ever touch this movie, just like Al Pacino and Robert De Niro would have never done this movie. And the last pairing is uh, Van Damme and Steven Seagal, which is also just a no for me. Um, I don't oh, wait, you, that's not your pick. That's like the studio's pick. Yeah, for when they were originally making this, those were like two that they had thought about. Which, I mean, Van Damme, Seagal, Schwarzenegger, Stallone, that's like, those are completely different movies. Those are like 80s B action movies. Those are not what this ended up becoming. So right. it, it is crazy that you got Travolta and Nick Cage to agree to do this. Like the, the way that this movie just came about is so kind of crazy to me and the fact that it's made. Um, and, you know, Thank God it was, because it's it's a '90s classic, and I'm glad I finally watched it. Yeah, no, it, it's it's one of my favorite thrill ride, thrill thrill ride uh, films. Do you think The Rock, 
like Dwayne the Rock Johnson and um, Kevin Hart would be a good like modern <laughs> face off. No, I think you need so Kevin Hart would clearly play the Nick Cage part, but then Brian Cranston would play the John Travolta part. So, so in all seriousness, here's who I think could actually kind of pull this off um, in a way. Um, what do you think about like Jeffrey Dean Morgan and Javier Bardem? So did you just look up actors that look alike? Yep. What about Natalie Portman and uh-huh. Kira Knightley? <laughs> Ooh. What about Liam Neeson and Ralph Fiennes? How about Ralph Fiennes and Joseph Fiennes? No, because that's like extremely obvious that they're brothers. Katy Perry. Uh-huh. And Zoe Deschanel, Amy Adams, and Isla Fisher. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. And then my last one, which I actually think this would actually work on some level, is Gerard Butler and Clive Owen. <laughs> <laughs> we need Clive Owen to be in things again, so I'm fine with that. We we really do. We really do. All right. Well, this has been another episode of I Finally Watched. I'm Milan. And this is David. And I finally watched Face Off.